Okay. So we're doing a series on Christian dating and relationships. And uh, these first couple talks are going to be real, real foundational, real just basic things to understand. And uh, if you missed last week, uh, I'd really encourage you to go on the church website and look it up. It'll be posted today or tomorrow. Last week we talked about uh, two very important things. What is marriage and what is singleness? And just understanding uh, those two kind of statuses or whatever um, is really important to date well. And the big thing we talked about with marriage is that marriage uh, is, a, is, a, is a covenantal relationship, a relationship that is lived out of promises made to each other. Um, and in God's, God's world, it, the primary purpose of marriage is sanctification. It's two people helping each other become more holy and get to the throne of God. Um, and that's just a really generally important thing to understand. It, it, that influences what you look for. It influences how you date. Uh, but anyways, if you're interested in that, go on to the website. Uh, but tonight, primarily, uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, American culture and uh, what it looks like to faithfully pursue marriage and faithfully date um, in our current American context. And what, what perhaps our context uh, and our culture, some things that our culture might have blinded us to, uh, some things that we might assume that are really quite wrong biblically uh, because we are Americans. So uh, to do that, uh, we're going to do something that I am not very comfortable with. We're going to uh, briefly survey uh, a little bit of history. Uh, kind of, we're going to do a little history of dating here. It's going to be kind of fun. Uh, before we before we do that, though, okay, I want you to talk in your groups. It'll be kind of an intro question, okay? On a scale of 1 to 10, how useful is it to understand history to live well today? And say, 1 to 10, how important is it to understand history to live well today? And then why or why not? Go ahead. Or why why do you give your number? Go. So, so, so Will, Will's answer is probably more honest than most of y'all's because some of y'all might have said 8, and you really haven't read a lick of history, you know? Like, you haven't really actually... I read history textbooks for fun. Really? Okay, great. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, who was very, um, just very smart, he coined a phrase called cultural myopia. And myopia is actually an eye disease. It causes extreme nearsightedness. And uh, Lewis said that cultural myopia is the disease that comes over people when they forget history. They think that their culture and the basic assumptions that their particular place and time have uh, is, is right. That we, 21st century Western Americans, we have figured out the values that life should be run by. And Lewis said that is an enormously dangerous and enormously foolish place to be. And there's some, uh, let me give you a couple examples. I hope The first couple, uh, I don't think will hit very close to home. Uh, one thing I found astounding uh, was how many uh, Bernie Sanders supporters there were in the past uh, Democratic primary. Uh, because Bernie Sanders is a uh, declared socialist. He thinks socialism is a good system. What his followers did not understand is that in history, socialism has always produced brutality and authoritarian rule and the deaths of millions of people. That's a great, clear example of people that just do not know history. They think that their particular moment in time, uh, maybe a little more uh, close to home, um, you know, 200 years ago, 
people who loved Jesus owned other people. And we can look back at that and we can say, that is horrific. That is awful. They were blind. However, I would argue that in the same way, someone living, a Christian living in 1800, would look at our lives and say, of some aspect of it, that is horrific. And here's the thing. Because we're 21st century Americans, we are blind to that. If we don't study the past well, uh, we, are, we are at the whim and the will of what our culture tells us is valuable. And uh, this is very relevant uh, to dating and relationships. Uh, it's very relevant. Uh, some of the information I'm going to give you guys uh, might shock you a little bit about how marriage has been done throughout history. Uh, but I hope, and I'll be, I'll be brief, but I hope um, that what it's going to do is it's going to help us uh, see that for many, many years, people pursued marriage in a very different way than we do, and they did just fine. So I'll just kind of run through this. Uh, first, we have traditional cultures, uh, and that's almost every culture in history before the year 1800. So uh, if you think the Earth is only six or 7,000 years old, I don't really know, okay? But if you think that, that's 97% of human history, okay? Uh, the way marriage was pursued was through arranged marriage. When mom and dad would pick your spouse out for you, and you would be stuck with them for the rest of your life. And the, the way they picked their spouse out for you, okay, is they picked their spouse out for you uh, based on things like whose family has the biggest farm, uh, which family is most socially connected. Um, and there's, there are reasons for this. Uh, the cultural situation was uh, one of most everybody was farmers and nobody could get anywhere. You had to walk places, we didn't have cars. Uh, obviously there was no like christianmingle.com, okay? So you really didn't have a lot of options. You had the four other people in your hometown who were the opposite sex and near your age. Um, and you had mom and dad who owned all the land. And if you did not obey their wishes, you'd have got nothing and you became poor. So that's how, that's how it worked. And um, there were some values uh, that led to this. I think um, one of the highest values in traditional cultures is a value of duty to the community and duty to your parents. Um, and there was also an extremely high value on uh, having children. Uh, I don't know if you have read much of your Old Testament, but if you do, uh, you'll come to parts where people are literally like mourning because they have not had kids yet. And that was because uh, in ancient cultures, if you did not have children, you had no legacy. You were, you were a forgotten person. It was one of the chief values in life. So marriage, primarily, uh, the way it was seen was it was kind of a social transaction where you could move your way up in society or be blessed financially through marriage and of course to have children. Um, and so, can we learn anything from that system? It sounds uh, so foreign to our ears. It sounds terrible, it sounds scary. Um, but I think uh, one thing that we can learn uh, from this culture, sorry, I, I didn't give a stat, okay? Uh, post Jesus, all right, in, in the Western world, before, uh, before Christ, there was lots of divorce. It was bad, okay? In the Western world, okay, so when Jesus rose again to about 1800, okay, people had arranged marriages and divorce rates were under like 2%. Divorce was basically non existent, all right? Um, so, I think one th great thing we can learn from this giant swath of history is this 
uh, in regards to romance and compatibility for marriage, you can do wonderfully well. If you're a Christian with the Holy Spirit living in you, and there is another Christian of the opposite sex with the Holy Spirit living in them, you can do wonderfully well with that person. This is maybe a, a, crazy, uh, a crazy illustration here, okay? But let's say that there were equal number of girls and guys in this room, and all of you guys uh, were growing Christians with the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, Sarah and I could go home, and we could make like a, like a college playoff list, okay? You know, you're, you're, you're like, you know like, the, uh, like the, uh, the March Madness, the 64 teams, okay? We, we could pair you up. And of course, you know, we would think through things like, oh, I think that, you know, whatever. I don't know. We could pair you up. All right? And 10 years from now, maybe not one, okay? We, we can marry you all on Saturday, okay? Just like a group, just <laughs> boom, baby, just get it done. Big reception, okay? All right? Um, 10 years from now, I can almost guarantee that if you keep walking with Jesus, you would be as happy as you would be if you got to pick your own spouse. That might sound crazy to you guys, but history proves that. People learned to love each other. They learned to have powerful feelings for each other after marriage. Well, let's blow your mind for a second. The Song of Solomon, okay? I, I would not read the Song of Solomon in public. I would, I would never preach on it, okay? There are parts in it that are X-rated, that are literally, it's language that is like, oh my gosh, this is gee, okay? Uh, it makes me, I'm, anyways. But the Song of Solomon, these two people saying very erotic things to each other, they probably had an arranged marriage. Just think about that for a second. Let that kind of blow your mind. Those kind of, our, our culture teaches us that you have to have the emotions first. That the emotions, in fact, are a prerequisite for the relationship. And of course, I'm not saying you, you intentionally pursue people that you hate, okay? I would never say that, all right? Okay, but what I am saying is this should give you a great confidence that you can do well with anybody who loves Jesus, who has the Holy Spirit, who's the opposite sex. And Sarah Poland, who's not here tonight, she made a great comment last week. She said that sometimes uh, Christians struggle in dating because they put so much pressure on the relationship. They're looking for the one. And if this person does not meet, if I just don't feel powerfully and I don't have this, this <clears throat> about it, this sense, that it, it can't work. Marriage is too important. You guys, that's just not reality. You learn to love each other. Ask older married couples who've been married for a while. You, you, even for people who fall in love, those kind of feelings change. They change into learned habits of love. And it's also, uh, this is a real practical application. I would really encourage you guys, maybe particularly you girls, okay, to be open to the people around you. There's a real, uh, there's a real temptation, I think based on our culture, okay, to walk into a room and just to eliminate eight out, of, eight out of ten people based on looks and personality alone. And if they approach me to go ask them out, no way. I'm just, I just can't. I just don't feel it. I think that's a, that's a, that's a very, that's a, a way in which your culture has very much in, impacted you. Anyone who loves Jesus and has the Holy Spirit, is the opposite sex, who doesn't completely drive you mad, you should be very open to that person. And I would say, just completely, uh, completely practical point here, okay? If you're going to go on a date with them, you should think about going on four or five dates with them. Okay? Don't commit your life to them, all right? I'm not saying you have to marry them, all right? But it takes time. So, so, much, so many of the skills that get you a date and get you a second and third date are just, it's just charm and social ability. 
And guys, those things don't really matter much in marriage. So anyways, arranged marriage, it worked for 97% of human history. Marriages were happy and healthy. 97% history, and people did not know each other coming into it. So I think that's one, one thing we can learn from that is just you can do well. Um, but then, in about 1800, uh, something called the Enlightenment happened. Uh, the Enlightenment was good in many ways. That's why we have technology and cell phones and why you haven't had polio, okay? Because people started discovering science and appreciating reason, okay? Uh, but along with the Enlightenment, uh, one key idea fundamentally changed really the world and particularly how people viewed uh, the meaning of life. Um, Tim Keller says this uh, in The Meaning of Marriage, some of the Enlightenment, he says, in the Enlightenment, the meaning of life came to be seen as the fruit of the freedom of an individual to choose the life that most fulfills him or her personally. Instead of finding meaning through self-denial, through giving up one's freedom and binding oneself to the duties of marriage and family, marriage was redefined as finding emotional and sexual fulfillment and self-actualization. So this idea, this really brand new idea in 1800 swept the world that said the point of life is for you to pursue your personal fulfillment. That you should do all the things you do, whether it's work or play or church or whatever, to feel good, to feel fulfilled about your life. And that led into the way we viewed marriage. Marriage became no longer um, this sanctifying relationship or this uh, this gift given to uh, society for stability, it became a way to fulfill yourself. And I'm not saying that's all wrong, but I, I just want you to hear that that is a, in the scope of history, a brand new idea. It's brand new. Um, and I would just, I would probably argue that uh, it's something that we have been um, taught either actively or passively. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but it's just a difficult idea, guys. Jesus said, you know how you find your life? You lose it. He said the meaning of life, the way to fulfillment, is not through pursuing it, it's through pursuing God. Laying down your life is how you fulfill your life. Um, so anyways, with this uh, new idea, um, we entered kind of this tr transition period in how people pursued marriage. Arranged marriages still happened, but more and more what uh, was called a courtship would happen. So mom and dad are still in charge. Mom and dad still have to approve of your mate. Uh, but now it's really left up to two individuals to decide for themselves based on how they feel, really, if they're going to get married. And the way this would work is a uh, girl's interested in a guy. She would give him permission to call on her. I don't know what that means, okay? Uh, he would come over uh, to her house, and with mom and dad in the room, they would interact. And if the suitor really impressed mom and dad, they would be given what's called front porch time, okay? When they would be allowed in her house to be alone for a few minutes to interact without mom immediately present, okay? And uh, if the guy did really well uh, and, you know, things worked out, they'd get married, okay? Uh, can you imagine first date with mom and dad at the table? You're like, yeesh, okay? Uh, that's how they did it. Um, and uh, again, I'm not saying they were right, uh, but I will say uh, there is a great thing to be um, in the way people supported each other. Uh, 
Uh, and the first is that there is wisdom in community. The, the, the one, one reason courtship was smart back in the day was because mom and dad were looking for qualities that the two kids were not looking for, okay? The two kids were looking for, does this guy make me all googly-eyed, okay? Do I feel mm, when, I, when I get around them, okay? Mom and dad are looking for, does this person have character? Like, are they gonna be faithful to my, my little girl? Are they gonna provide for her? And what's wonderful, and just, I would encourage you guys an application of this, you should date in community. Um, you should be open to other people, particularly older people who know what marriage is like, speaking into whom you date or not date. Um, I'd encourage you, if someone, if someone says, hey, listen, I think he or she would be great for you, you would be very wise to listen to that. Because um, a lot of us uh, think we know what's best for us, right? Um, we think we know what's best for us, and, and we don't. Um, well, many of you guys here have made mistakes that you were sure about. And guys, I'll just be honest with you. I had crushes and dated lots of girls in college, and I look back, no, no, not lots, but a few, okay? I look back, particularly when I, when I was a believer, okay? And I just think, hallelujah, I did not marry that person, okay? And I won't tell you who they are, because they'd be bad. But I, I, like, I thought I knew what I wanted. Like, I was convinced. And it would have been a bad decision. And so I think there's just some, some humility here that outside voices into your dating life, particularly older voices, are really healthy. Um, okay, and then of course after courtship comes our modern situation and uh, dating. But uh, before, we, before we go there, I would just like you guys to respond in your groups. Uh, is there anything that stood out to you from talking about the history of dating very briefly? Yeah, so um, Lydia brings a great point. Um, I don't want to overstate it and say every marriage was happy uh, for the last however many years. That's not true. I mean, you know, people are sinners. Um, however, um, 3%, even if there's a solid 10% of marriages that are very unhappy and wife's just saying she doesn't get stoned, okay? That's very different than 50%, which is where we are now. Um, and so I, I only bring that, now again, you, you bring a very good point. Uh, and in fact, what we're going to talk about is how, when we look back in history, we can very clearly see some blind spots. Like, just picking out a dude for your daughter who has a great farm is not very nice, mom and dad. He might be angry and terrible, okay? That's, that's a very bad part of that system, okay? And, uh, but, um, I think only, only a, it, it, would be, it would be crazy to argue that we're doing marriage today better than they did it in history. And that we, we do have something, there is something to say for communal restraints upon a relationship. Tim, Tim Keller said, uh, for uh, this is statistical evidence borne out in America today, in a extremely unhappy marriage, if they'll just stay together for five years, there's a 70% likelihood they'll be happy. My little survey was like, like, incredibly brief and did not include all sorts of details, okay? First of all, like, like that was 10 minutes on 7,000 years, okay? Yes. But you also bring to a very good point, okay? Uh, that, um, did you notice how I did not necessarily talk a lot about how the church has influenced this process? Um, so what's really interesting, okay? Uh, and the two observations I want to just make and for us to think together about is that primarily... The way people have pursued marriage historically, the mechanism, if you will, the little, the little marriage machine, okay, 
all right, uh, has been a result primarily of economic and technological factors. Why were arranged marriages the norm in traditional agrarian cultures? Because mom and dad owned the farm. And the only way that you were not gonna be destitute is if you let them marry you off so you could have be on the farm too. And you, were, you couldn't go anywhere, you have to walk, right? There, there's, there were and then as uh, technology progressed, we got a little bit closer to freedom, right? So, so the mechanisms of dating are primarily based on limiting factors in cultures. Does that, does that make sense? Am I talking about your, is that, is that? Okay, all right, if some of you guys look like I'm being crazy, okay? I think what that means, though, what's important to say is that that means that the mechanism of getting married, like how you pursue it, is neither a good or bad thing, it's kind of a neutral thing. It's like the internet. The internet can be used for great good or great evil. Similarly, I think the dating in America, the way we do it, two people going out on dates, figuring out together, um, other cultures speak into it, but that mechanism is primarily neutral. You can use it for good or evil. And I, I say that because some, some uh, very prominent, well-articulated voices in Christianity have said uh, that we should go back to cult courtship, that like dating's not biblical, it's not in the Bible, so we shouldn't do it. And I just think that's a, that's a real, uh, it's just a, kind of a silly argument. Um, arranged marriage is in the Bible, but oftentimes it's not done very well. It's not commanded in the Bible. So, anyways, the second, okay, it wasn't just technology and economics that, that determined how people dated. It's also cultural values. Again, arranged marriage. What's the value that led to that? Mom and dad have supreme authority, and you, kid, your opinions do not matter. That was a cultural value, a wrong one, okay? It was wrong. And we can see that, okay? But what we don't see is necessarily some of our cultural values. Um, when, when we look back on these history, history of dating, you guys have seen, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Well, what I want to say is there are a couple things in our culture we got to talk about that are a little crazy. Um, so I want to talk about two, all right? Uh, first, uh, what is a culture? A culture, um, I would just say it's a, a set of shared assumptions. So the biggest things that bind us together are the things we've never really carefully thought through that are just kind of self-evident, okay? Like for example, you need a bed to sleep on, right? Almost everybody in this room would agree, you know, that sleeping right there is not possible. The reality is a lot of people do that, okay? But we just kind of, we've never thought through that. We just assume that, it's part of our culture. Um, but one thing we have to do is to think critically about our culture and how it's influenced the way we view dating and to be willing to change that. So I'll talk about two values, okay? Um, first one is personal, individual freedom. That is one of America's chief values. And in many ways, it's a very good value. It's the reason we have a great economy because people are free to pursue economic dreams, whatever, okay? Um, but just, just consider the things you hear in our culture. You gotta do you, have you ever heard of that? You gotta do you. Uh, you. You can be whatever you wanna be, right? Just pursue your dreams. You know, I, I uh, Buster tells the story of a, uh, they invite I think a, maybe an NBA or college uh, point guard. Uh, and he, he heard this guy telling a camp full of little kids who wanna play basketball, man, if you just try hard, you can play in the NBA too. 
That's a lie. You know, those kids, those kids aren't going to play in the NBA. Maybe one of them will. Anyways, sorry. But there's this powerful message in our culture. First, um, that you should pursue your dreams. And second, that you should be the one to decide and to, and to, and to make the choices you can. Uh, just think through, uh, you guys like Disney movies? Who, here, who has ever watched Disney movie before? Okay. Here's, here's the essential plot of ev- almost every Disney movie I've ever seen, okay? There's a main character, all right? They're kind of a misfit, okay? Everyone around them tells them they can't do something, okay? And then magically, on their own little path, okay, they figure it out and become a hero. I'm watching Kung Fu Panda right now with my kids, okay? It's the plot of that movie, too. It's not even a Disney movie, okay? Kung Fu Panda, all right? Preaches to you, all right? that you've got to be the one to determine your destiny. And if, you just, and if you just pursue your dreams, you'll find it. Um, and I think this has uh, really influenced the way we've dated. We date in two ways. First, we date almost exclusively upon our personal preferences. Uh, you guys have heard the phrase, well, he or she's not my type. You know, what that really means is that this person does not suit all my preferences. Uh, we, we date on the preferences we have. And the funny thing is, we don't even really understand our preferences. Isn't it weird how you don't know why you're attracted to certain people? You never thought that through before? Um, and the second thing is that freedom is actually kind of paralyzing. Um, I remember the first time when, instead of my mom, I was the one buying peanut butter. And I got to the peanut butter aisle, and just for a second, I almost I had a panic attack. There are 35 choices, okay? You're, you're, sitting, you're sitting thinking, okay? All right, all right. Do I want store brand, or do I want, do I want cheap stuff? I don't know the difference, all right? Do I, want, do I want regular, or do I want organic? Are those last three ingredients going to kill me? I don't know. I don't know if they are or not, okay? I, I have no idea. Do I, want, do I want the honey roasted kind? Do I want crunchy or creamy? Do I want extra crunchy? Okay? You literally, and guys, I think, I think, I think the reason, one of the main reasons that uh, the, a- the average age people get married is skyrocketing is because you just have so many choices. If there were literally only two available people on the planet, you would marry one of them, okay? But, but, but we, we approach relationships with this, the grass is always green on the other side. There's gotta be someone who's more right for me. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's sinful, but I am saying that's gonna really hinder you effectively dating for marriage. It's going gonna, it's gonna to really, really harm your ability. If you're, like, if you're sitting at a table with someone, you're saying, okay, I'm going to really see if this person is, uh, is someone I want to marry. And then someone very attractive to you walks by, and you're like, okay, never mind. I'm done with this person. Okay? But that, that's, how, that's how a lot of us are. Um, and that's just a very unhealthy thing, and it's, been, it's not a natural thing. It's been programmed into you by your culture. Just know that. Um, Just uh, discussing groups. Um, have you ever experienced being paralyzed by freedom? Go ahead. All right. Uh, so, have you guys? Has anyone here felt paralyzed by by freedom before? Freedom of choice. Okay. Has anyone not ever felt paralyzed by freedom? No. Okay. So, what are some ways, uh, Jonathan? Okay. All right. I like that. All right. So, so, um, can y'all think of some ways? especially as regards to dating and relationships, that we can, I'll say first of all, okay, freedom's a good thing. It's, it's, a, it's a huge blessing. 
that you get to choose who you marry. That's a great blessing, all right? It's a good thing. I, I don't, I mean, me and Sarah will arrange marriages for you, okay? We'd be happy to. Small fee, just talk to us later, all right? A lot of good options in this room. I'm just saying, okay? Um, let me, uh, I'll, just, I'll just say this. Um, I got some really good advice uh, from a friend of mine, eh, probably a couple of years before me and Sarah got married. Um, and it doesn't sound like great dating advice, but I, in hindsight, I think it really is. He said, Leland, if you find someone of the opposite sex who loves Jesus and who puts up with all of your crap, you should marry them. And that is really direct. And you're like, well, what, what, what if they're not like a 10 physically, though? What, 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 what about that? Okay. But I think his point is very well suited. There is a sense in which I will encourage you to settle, not to settle on their love for Christ or their maturity in the spirit. Okay, don't, don't hear me that. No. If they're not a Christian, do not date them. If they don't love Christ, not growing, don't date them. Okay? But there is a sense in which if you're not willing to settle on the 37 other qualities that you want, you know, they play the guitar, right? Yeah, I'm just kidding, but like seriously, the 37 other qualities that you want in a spouse, okay, if you're not willing to settle on those things, it might be forever before you find one, right? Now, I'm not saying that if you're single, it's your fault. I'm not saying that, okay, that you're too picky. That's a, that's a stereotype. I don't believe that, okay? But I will say that if you find someone who loves Jesus and who puts up with all your drunk, who's the opposite sex, okay, um, everything else is icing on the cake. If you can see yourself walking through life with this person, everything else about them that's good is icing on the cake. Just chew on that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're in sin if you, you know, uh, refusing to settle, okay? But just chew on that. Um, okay, freedom. It's paralyzing, but it's wonderful. Uh, that's the first value in America that I think influences our dating. The second one is much more prevalent and uh, I think a little more insidious. And uh, I would call that, uh, this is a pastor named Bodhi Bakum, who's solid on some stuff, not solid on other stuff, but he said uh, the, the Greco-Roman myth of romantic love. And he calls it a myth for a reason, and that is primarily because this idea, this, this idea that there's this powerful force between two people, primarily emotional, that brings them together, and there's this, these longings that are fulfilled. It's just inescapable. And that's actually, uh, it's not just a myth and that it's not totally true, it's, it's actually enshrined in myths, like actual stories. Um, a great example in our day is the romantic comedy, okay? What's really interesting with the romantic comedy, okay? What's the general plot? Two people in these kind of meh situations, but they meet each other, so you know, there's some funny stuff that happens on the way, but there's this powerful connection, and their love just kind of overcomes all their stuff, and they get married and the movie ends, okay? What's missing from that movie? How about their entire lives before they met and their entire lives after they got married? Did y'all see that? That movie is telling you that the entire point of your existence and the main thing that your relationship with the opposite sex is about are those six months when you're in love. And every movie you watch like that, you guys know the longings of your heart. Maybe not guys, I don't know. I felt that before watching a romantic comedy, right? You know the longings of your heart are for those that powerful connection. And guys, that may be possible, but primarily, it's a myth. It's something that human beings have created. And that's just really important to understand because sometimes, because since the day you were five years old, you've been told this over and over and over again. Your true love, the one. You've seen it in movies, every TV show. Just think, 
guys, can you can you think of a TV show that portrays a romantic dating relationship in a way that's not that way? Most of the time, you see marriages on TV, and marriages primarily are portrayed as negative things, which I think is another great statement about our culture's values, right? But but think think about the Notebook, okay? And I just I'm going to offend some of you girls here for a second. I think the Notebook is a poisonous movie, and here's why. Okay, here's why. Give you the basic plot. Some of you guys in here are like, I haven't seen The Notebook or I'm not telling anybody, okay? Maybe I should have, that should have been my hot seat question. Have you seen The Notebook? Have you seen it? Everyone's like, mm, yes, okay. Um, but here's The Notebook, okay? Uh, guy who's like this uh, poor mill guy, um, he works in a mill factory, rich girl, okay? Um, they have this powerful connection, but he has to go to World War II, he gets called off, okay? And she gets married to this rich guy, you know, the social arrangement, whatever, all right? And uh, he gets back. She's married, but their love is just so, she's not married, she's engaged? Oh, is she? Okay, all right, great, she's engaged, sorry. She's engaged, okay, she's engaged, all right? She's engaged. All right, keep going, all right? Can I come back now? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't review the movie several times before I, before I anyways, it's good that I missed that point, Whew. okay, all right? And, uh, and their connection is just so powerful. And the, and the biggest scene in the movie, okay, he rows her out uh, to this, like, swan-filled lake, all right? And it starts pouring down rain, and all of a sudden they just have this moment. And they just start making out and eventually commit immorality and whatever, okay? Um, and the, the idea there, the idea told you is that love like that, this romantic, powerful force, is worth anything. It's worth committing immoral things. It's worth breaking off engagements that are probably good ideas. It's, and, 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 and it's nature, okay? Guys, just look at the, go Google the picture that's on the cover of the movie, okay? And it's both of them soaked in rain just making out. And she has a wedding ring on. Isn't that crazy? Like, like that's, that's the cover of the movie. And the idea is there's, that's what love is, guys. And it's not true. And I say that because we don't, we won't say this, but so many of us, that's what we're looking for. Baptize. We're going to baptize it, right? We're not going to, like, you know, do the immoral stuff, but we're going to still have the feelings, right? Um, and it's a, it's a myth. Now, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a half myth. I mean, I'm not going to argue that's not possible for anyone. Uh, I will say those kind of powerful feelings um, are possible. They are possible. Um, some of you guys probably experienced heartbreak where you had those feelings and then they got broken up and it was awful, okay? However... Uh, they are not sustainable. They are certainly not the foundation of a relationship. Now, again, I will say, am I attracted to Sarah? Heck yes, okay? Do, do we have romantic stuff? Yes, we do, okay? Um, however, it's, marriage is kind of normal, and it's a beautiful normal. But guys, I promise you, Sarah does not get the tingles when I hold her hand. Okay? Doesn't like, ooh, ooh, you know? Like, it, it's not this intoxicating force that's just kind of in our marriage. That's not what it is. Ask any married couple. That's not what it is. And so you shouldn't look for that. If you get, if you get that with someone who's a Christian, what's Jesus? Wonderful. Praise God. It's a, it's a big clump of icing on top of the cake. Okay? That shouldn't be the rubric by which you date. If I don't feel this, or a glimmer of this, I'm just not going to go go forward. Um. All right, so I've talked a lot, and uh, I just 
and I know I've been pretty emphatic about this, but I just feel like there are some things that are so deeply rooted in us that we have to really clearly think about them. Uh, but um, I'm going to wrap up. You guys have heard me talk plenty, okay? I'm going to show you all a video. This is one of my seminary professors. Uh, he's extremely smart and articulate. And the question they ask him here is, what should I look for in a spouse? But he spends so much time talking about American culture, he doesn't ever really get there. But his answers, the things he says are wonderful. So we're, we're going to watch this video. It's eight minutes long. Um, and then we're kind of just in a group. I'll give you guys a couple of questions, and we'll kind of respond to it together and then close our night. All right. Uh,